This is AI Podcast, not artificial intelligence, agency intelligence. Our team's going to be 10 times stronger than all the other teams. A platform for agents. When people think of niche marketing, they're thinking so small scale. In real life agencies, sharing their thoughts. All you need to do is get in front of more people. To transform an industry. Better coverages, uh, better pricing, just better everything. Real. The difference between givers, takers, and matchers. Agents. I guess I took a slightly different path coming to the agency. I know a lot of agencies. You can partner your clients with those companies that are looking for that specific target market. This is AI Podcast. Are you ready? I am. Let's go. What's going on, loyal listeners? Uh, first off, if you're listening to this episode, I would not say stop listening, but tune over to YouTube and watch this one. This is a unique episode. Uh, I don't know if this has ever been done on the ABC Intelligence podcast before, uh, but loyal listeners, I'm doing a on-set live guest interview with my man, Sean Kirby from the Performance Group uh, up in Pilton, Indiana, which I think you guys heard me talk about it a few episodes ago, but he's my last guest on the show. And the reason for him being the last guest on the show is we are so alike, it's un- unbelievable. And I didn't know how alike we were. I didn't even know that dude existed until I was on the Agency Intelligence podcast. And Sean reached out and was like, hey, dude, we live like 10 minutes up there. I go, shut up, you're kidding me. And next thing you know, we meet the next day for coffee. Uh, we're just chatting. We end up becoming really good friends. Now we go, There's a, if there's a week that we don't talk, there's usually something going on between one of us or we always check up on each other. So uh sean kirby from the performance group and obviously the performance group podcast which is his local niche market podcast that he's got in pendleton uh up in madison county so sean appreciate your time and uh joining the show today my man how are things going for you thank you for having me um i appreciate you know setting all this up and we we're able to finally get together and do all the things we said we were going to do absolutely and it's been a bit of a minute and uh, I, like we said, I always batch, I batch recorded all the episodes, and you're the one that I have not yet batch recorded. Part of the batch recording, and I had I had Jason's team like, hey, where's this episode at? Where's this episode at? And I just wanted to I didn't want to do it over Zoom because I thought wanted to be unique and I wanted to get you into the studio. But um, so Sarah, Reza, everybody on Jace, Jason's agency intelligence, and, and we got your podcast team. I apologize, uh, <laughs> but it's well worth it. I promise it's going to be an amazing episode, and I can't wait for you guys to hear it. Um, but to get kind of started here for our loyal listeners, uh, Sean, there's those, there's those couple questions that Cass likes to ask at the beginning of the show. I'm going to keep that format going here. Um, with, with my last guest hosting show, the ABC Intelligence Podcast, uh, Mike drop. There might be some news coming up uh, before too long about um, something that Jason and I uh, and the other agency intelligence uh, podcast team have and have coming up for you potentially. Uh, so stay tuned for some awesome news, and uh, hopefully this is not the last time, hint, hint, the last time that you hear me on the Agency Intelligence Podcast or on this network. So without further ado, are you an iPhone or Android user, Sean? I am an iPhone user. iPhone user. Have you always been an iPhone user? OG iPhone user? Yeah, absolutely. Since I had my Razer back in 2004, I've been iPhone since. So Your Razer. That's the flip phone that legitimately changed the game. Yeah, absolutely. It did change the game. It's back. It's back. Did you see that? I did see that. It's the. It's like a more of a brick style, isn't it? It's a giant screen when you open it up. So I, I don't think you get that same click when you hang up on somebody. Is it a who? who what's Motorola. It? Motorola. Motorola. They still made it. Yeah, Motorola made their. So you can get out like App Store and all that kind of stuff. I have on it. Not the slightest clue in the world. Like I said, I do have an iPhone, and I do not plan on changing anytime soon. They got me hooked. Well, I'm an iPhone user as well. Cass is a Android user. Uh-huh. Um, 
Yeah. I, I can't stand the, the the green text people, especially when you're trans or sending video over to people or you're sending stuff back and forth. If you're in a group chat with somebody, there could be five people with iPhone and then one person in the group chats with Android. It screws the whole entire group. Ruins chat. the chat. Ruins the chat. Ruins the chat. I'm an iPhone user all the way. iPhone user for, absolutely for life. As we all should be. So without going, what's the last app you downloaded on the iPhone? Oh, so good. I knew this question was coming after you told me that you were going to ask me the same questions. Um, I want to say, since we're using it for um, a partial recording, I can't check. Um, maybe some sort of app for my daughter. Some sort of not, game. But not like a game, because she's not even old enough to understand that. I think I downloaded something for like her no, she didn't. sound machine. You downloaded it to keep her occupied so you could get some stuff. You're, you're in the life to get stuff done. Well, you should see me this morning. I shoved her out in the gym. We've been watching Coco Melon at 6 o'clock in the morning when she wakes up, and I'm about tired of watching that. Coco Melon is the wake-up word when Hadley. <laughs> Hadley's too. She said, I want to Coco Melon. I want to watch Coco Melon. It's like, oh, if I hear Coco Melon one more time, I'm going to sue Coco Melon. Yeah, absolutely. All she can say is Coco. So she goes, Coco, Coco, Coco. And now she'll go, Ba, Ba, because she wants to listen to Bob Hope Black Sheep. So, yeah, no, we, um, I turned on the lights, took her out to the gym, and just made her sit out there and play with me. And there you go. Up. Yeah, so that's fun. 20 degrees. Well, you talk, we'll get into your story with your kids and your wife, or your kid and your wife. Uh, I know kids is kind of a scary word, especially <laughs> being this young. Uh, we'll start. We'll get into talking a little bit about being, you know, being young, being a father into the in in, in the industry as a young individual and professional. Um, but we'll go. We'll we'll get your story and your path here in a second. But um, there's there's a couple things that people we run into is we're we're all very skillful. We all become very lucky at some point in time. What would you say the biggest component luck or skill has gotten you in a situation of where you're at today? Um, one hundred percent. And I know a lot of people say that. You know, luck has nothing to do with it. It all depends on like opportunities and being skilled for when those opportunities arise. I would say that I am a very lucky individual to be born in the time in which we're born to do the things that we're doing today. Um, I'm lucky to be born into a white collar family where we already did financial and tax advice before we bought an insurance agency. I'm very lucky to have met my amazing wife at such an early age who has helped me grow as a young man to be carry myself much older than I am. Um, so yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm so blessed. I'm so lucky. So I, I can't say that I'm skilled at much other than I got the gift of gab. So that's true. But that get the gift of gab is what a lot of people lack on. And yes. It's I'm amazing. lucky to have that gift. I, I am too. People like Mitch, shut up. You talk too much, but it's like, Hey, that's me. Like, I'm not going to change the way I'm just because you're not happy with me talking, get out of the way. I'm going to talk. Exactly. Know? Exactly. So we'll, we'll talk more about that because that has a lot of meaning and reason why you've, you've called yourself that, you, that a lot of the luck that you've grown within your family that's brought you up and in your current situation that has made things a lot easier for you. And I think there's a lot of skill set that you're not tooting your horn about uh, that we'll talk about as well because you're a very talented individual and you're for sure somebody that our loyal listeners need to know and someone that, needs to, that they need to connect with because we talk about these local niche podcasts and like people do it, do it. I had Brian Blakely on the show. Brian's doing it. Brian's making it happen. I'm making it happen. Uh, I mean, there's there's so many people out there that are making it happen. You're making it happen with your local podcast. It's pretty unique how you're doing it, similar to the way I'm doing it. Um, but people need to find guys to connect with that are doing this to, to let them know and to kind of back us up. Uh, you know, us people that are on these podcasts hosting these shows that we're not just, you know, BSing around. We're legitimately telling you this stuff actually works if you go try it and go do it. Um, so so we're, we're, we're getting out here with this, this next question, and then we'll get into kind of a little bit more about you. But, Sean... You know, 
as you as you kind of have evolved from a young individual into a agent now, I guess we all find ourselves in sports. You wrestled. We find ourselves that we you know lose and we try to bounce back to win or you know to, to grow from those losses. Um, we also love to win. So in the insurance game, do you love to win or do you hate to lose? Um, I think that's an interesting question because, you know, just like everybody else listening to this, I've listened to this podcast since I started being in insurance. I've listened to so many people, brilliant, smart, amazing human beings answer this question. I'm always so enamored in their answers because it's they're so unique. And I've thought about this. Every time you listen to this podcast, you think, what would I even say in that situation? And right now, I'm just trying to elongate this so I give myself a little bit more time to think about what my answer would be. I truly hate to lose. I think that's I think that's true. I hate to lose. And that could be the wrestling background, is I do like to win. I do like to beat another individual. I do like to be on top. But I think there's something to say about hating to lose drives you to try to win and i think that's important especially we're both coaches right right so you immediately see a kid go on the mat it's one versus one there's nobody else to blame the only person you have to blame is yourself and you have so many of these kids today who i don't know if they love to win or hate to lose because they'll cry but that doesn't push them to get any better and i'm trying to learn how to transition these young young boys young women young wrestlers to learn that a loss is okay if it drives you towards bettering yourself on that next one. I think that's similar to the way you answered your question is you love teaching people how to lose. I do well, that that's necessarily teaching people how to lose. And I'm glad you brought that up because I don't even think I've talked about it. I always just drive people, hey, go back to that show or go back to the episode I was on back in December with Cass and listen to my answer. And that's the same way. Like I was kind of I prepared myself like I knew he was going to ask these questions, but I realistically didn't. Like, I was just listening to the show like, okay, that was a good answer. You know, and I'm like, screw it. I'm just going to fly it by the seam of my pants, whatever comes to my mind and my heart. That's usually my best answer. That's when things happen is in the time and the moment when you just open your mouth from a question. That's usually the most genuine, most authentic answer. So when he asked me, I'm like, you know, dude, I, I love to win because I want that person who lost to know why they lost. It's a gangster response. Yeah. Dude, when I said that, I'm like, dang gone. That was sweet. Like, I'm not trying to do my own horn, but like, that was, but that's true in the sense of, you know, on the backside of it, not sounding cocky, like, I love to win so the other person, so Sean can learn why he lost. Or, you know, I like making sure my ratings are better than Sean, so he can, you know, try to learn from me, whatever it might be. But I like it on the sense of, you look on the back end, look at it as a loser. I hate saying the word loser, but look at it as the person who just lost. There's been many times I've lost accounts because either the relationship that the person had with the um, agent or the customer had with the agent might have been something they've already established and had for the last five, six years. But I look at that and I go, well, why did I just lose that account? Why did I not get a chance to quote that? I had better deductibles. Take a look at this condo and association I just lost. I lost it twice, two years in a row, and I had a better policy. This last year, the agent that has had it for the last 15 years had the same exact proposal that I prepared. I mean, same exact proposal. $10,000 aggregate on a, on a 19 duplex condo owners association. He had a $5,000 deductible per building, no aggregate deductible per building on each duplex. So that's fit what? Five times, that's almost $100,000 deductible if all of us need to be repaired from a 
went hail. And I had a $10,000 aggregate, $2,500 property damage, uh, deductible wind hail. And then I had a $10,000 wind hail aggregate off of all 19, 20 duplexes. Well, this year they come back with a renewal or they come back with the proposal. And they that, that agent literally mimicked my proposal and my quote. And it was the condo association that gave, they gave that agent my proposal. And he, and she said, well, ever since they were at right now, he, he was able to get back with his carrier and was able to match exactly what you had. And I'm like, you know what? Then they said, well, let's, let's let you quote again next year. I said, no, I'm not, I don't want yeah. I don't want to quote that next year. Like that's not, I don't want someone else to take credit for my work. You're not a customer that I want to do business with because I know what you're going to do every couple of years. You're going to shop your insurance around and you're going to, you know, use someone else's proposal or use my proposal against me who's there originally to help you out. So I, I get exactly what you're saying. Yeah, but but I, I wanted to, I didn't want to lose in the sense of, you know, I, I wasn't a crybaby like, okay, I didn't win this account for two years, I'm done. No, I just genuinely decided because I lost, I learned from that loss. That's the person I didn't want to do business with. Yeah. You know, so you look at it both ways, but uh, I like you said that's a G, that's a baller, baller response. I like that. I'm gonna make sure we get a clip on that. So <laughs> so I can remember, so I can put and look back ten years from now that Sean Kirby said Mitch Gibson had a baller. Oh yeah. I think I regret that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna regret that later. Regret that later. Well well going back now, I guess, to kind of to help our loyal listeners learn more about you, Sean. And and Sean's twenty five years old. Sean's just the same age as I. I am Sean graduated in 2014 from Pelton Heights. I graduated in 2014 from Greenfield Central. Look up Greenfield Central, Pelton Heights. We're in the same conference. conference. We're the next county over. Very, very close counties, actually. Um, and I travel through Pendleton two or three times a week for baseball. So there's a very big connection here. But Sean, taking us all the way back, um, I know there's not much to take back. Uh, because there's only been 25 years of life between between you and then also 25 between me. Take us back as far as you want. Bring us up to speed. Where you're at now. Let the loyal listeners learn a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So um, a little bit about me. So similar to what you said, yeah, I grew up in Pendleton, Indiana. Actually, originally from Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Moved out to Pendleton in 2004. I was eight years old, so not much to talk about there. Um, my dad's been a huge influence in my life. Um, he was a president CEO of a large, uh, life insurance company out in Cedar Rapids, Iowa from you know, Delaware County, originally Delaware high school, go donkeys. Um, uh, that's the mascot, the, the Broncos, but my dad's always found the <laughs> DeVille donkeys instead. Um, so go donkeys. So he grew up there, grew up in a barn, five kids, no heat in the winter, worked his way all the way up to, you know, an executive status. They paid for his MBA, all sorts of stuff. He just really worked his, you know, worked his ass off is the best way to say it. So he moved back here in 2004, wanted to be closer to his family, um, and then started a financial practice. So eight years old, never really knew what my dad did. He traveled a bunch growing up. And, you know, we moved back to Indiana to see my family more often. And then he started working a lot again because for the first time in his life, he had to make his own paycheck. So he, uh, I think he told me he bought a bunch of mortgage insurance leads or mortgage leads back in 2004. So everybody was buying houses that they couldn't afford. Right. So he was buying all these leads and making phone calls. He was making 10 grand a month selling life insurance after not doing it for almost 20 years because he was in the executive status. Um, so then fast forward to me is eventually I grow up and I'm 18 years old. My, I'm getting ready to go to the University of Iowa. My dad goes, hey, before you go, I'd, I'd like you to get your PNC license. So I don't know what that is. Okay. 
I thought it was P N C. And right. even read the book, took the class, passed the test, and still thought that's what it was. So I, um, at 18 years old, I went down to the pyramids down in Indianapolis for seven days, took a test, passed it on my third try. Don't tell anybody about that. Let's go, bro. We have so much more to cover than you think. So did I. Yeah. Let's go. All my staff that's taken it in the last year has passed it on their first try. So <laughs> that's why I look at them and I say, I'm so glad I had smarter people than me around me. I can't, I'm not excited because I didn't want to admit my. Oh, no, 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 but you're young. It's tough. And you also, you're. I'm not, I'm not designed for those types of tests, I don't think. I'm not either. Um, so if you're a young agent out there, if you're somebody that's not even in the industry yet, or you could be like a, you know, just a CSR that's not a licensed CSR, someone who just manages a book, yeah, manages the finances, but you're looking to get in the PNC, the test, don't be mad at yourself because the test is extremely, extremely hard. You got to think, you're worth, they're cramming a whole book worth of insurance down your throat in a week, two weeks, depending on the class that you go to. And you got to go take 170, 180 question test that one i'm not very good at taking tests anyways because my adhd just drives me nuts that's just the nature of the beast so just yeah. don't give up on it i was to the point sean though before you sorry to interrupt go ahead i was to the point where i told myself if i if i fail this test one more time i'm going to try it the next time i'm going to try it one more time if i fail it i'm going to step away i was just designed for this that's just god's god's like shining star saying mitch get out like this is not for you and the next time I passed it. So I was like, okay, this is Hi, this is me. This, this is, is it. Sorry to interrupt. No, you're fine. So actually, similar to your story, um, my second time, I failed it in the morning, but I only missed by a couple questions. So I got on my phone to see where the next test would be. There is one in Lawrence. So I went from Muncie to Lawrence, immediately studying while I drive in the rain, and then took it again and passed it. Same yeah, thing. No, no, the funny thing, too. That's where I passed my test. Lawrence. Lawrence. Yeah, Lawrence <laughs> campus. So yeah, so I, I ended up, I passed my test. I was 18 years old. I kept up on my CE. We didn't we didn't even own an insurance agency at the time. Uh, my dad has a financial practice and then a tax accounting practice. So I uh, started a tax accounting practice in 09 financial in 2004. And we didn't purchase our insurance book until 2017. So I was never actually in insurance. I just got my license because I was you know, asked to at the young, ripe age. Demanding. So um, I ended up coming home. Um, I did tax returns for a couple of years, accounting, that sort of stuff, because that's what we did at the time. Um, lo and behold, we actually had a purchase agreement since 2015 to purchase an agency. Um, and then in 2017, she was finally ready to retire and be done. And um, my dad walked in and said, hey, you got two weeks to train. You're gonna train with the you know the former agent and then she's out and you're in. So I spent the majority of my my you know, that was twenty I was twenty-one years old and I kind of inherited this book with no practical knowledge since I was eighteen. I mean I hadn't even thought about insurance. Right. So I walked in and two weeks of training weren't enough. Um she was out the door, moved to the west side of Indy, and I had to figure it out for the next couple years. So you talk about so you just got kind of thrown into it. And yes. I know it's kind of a luck of the draw because it's it's more than just the financial and PNC side of things. Yeah. You, your dad and, and your family is also known just for being that, you know, those, those two, that individual who owns multiple businesses. Yes. And you guys do. You guys own multiple businesses. Actually, the business that you guys, where the performance group is at in Pendleton, 
Um, you guys also have a laundry mat that you own that's connected to it a little bit. Give us a little bit of insight on that. What else? What other things that you guys are doing? Yeah. So my dad, um, he's an interesting guy. So he retired as president and CEO of the, a multi-billion dollar organization back in 2004. Wrote down every single thing he wanted to own on a piece of paper. Um, climate control storage units. I mean, all of it. Real estate, that sort of stuff. And the first thing he wrote down was property casualty and tax accounting to feed into the financial side. And it took him 13 years to find and acquire a PNC agency. But in between then, he started 18 businesses, 16 of which are still moving and operating. So we've got two laundromats. Um, the laundromat where we're at now is actually connected to the office. So it's a single parcel. So that worked out perfectly. Um, he's got a climate control storage, class A office space. We've now got a truck um, accessory business that does window tint. And that was something you just fall into. You meet a, the right young person who I've learned so much from. His name is Adam Scanlon. He's been on my podcast a couple of times. He's just a good dude that my dad's helped build businesses around. And the plan is that he's going to own that business someday. So my dad's turned into this little entrepreneur incubator almost, but he, but he's doing it on a networking basis. Like he's not yeah. just going out, taking, showing, showing the shiny penny and buying it. It's like more of a building the relationship. How can we help one another? Idea pops in mind. Let's take action together and see how we can help each other out. Yeah. And not everything works. I think that's the important thing. Cause we've had um, a tanning business that's no longer operational. The storage units, which were a great idea. The truck business just kept growing and needed more space. So at some point, um, you know, if it costs you money, you got to make the decision that it can't cost you money anymore. So he then, you know, moved those people out of the storage units and took those out. And now the truck shop's bigger and they're doing much more revenue than the storage units were. So it, it's just interesting. I've learned so much about business from being in business, which has allowed me at you know a young age to be able to speak to business owners at a much higher level than just insurance. Right. So I think that's the big thing too, is what I've learned, man. Um, I don't know if we've talked, if I've talked about this with anybody, so I can't really reflect on like to kind of send people back to understand what I'm talking about here. But for those young agents out there, people that are just now getting started, I know like we both look like baby faced individuals. This uh, beard isn't fooling anybody. This like this beard didn't this beard didn't happen until that I have on my face. It didn't happen until March of 2020 when COVID hit. I didn't know I could do it. I was the guy that got up every morning and shaved every single day, and I looked like a seven-year-old mm -hmm. i'll probably always still kind of look young my dad's the same way my dad looks very young still at this age he's 55 years old but for you has the age barrier caused any issues for you when writing new business with customers maybe where i run into it a lot more is on commercial and bigger you know maybe 50 50 to seventy thousand dollar and up premium account manufacturer somebody like that the young 25 year old mitch steps in he could be as knowledgeable as he wants he could come up with a kick-ass proposal, but he looks like he's seven. Then there's that reputable, hey, how long have you been in the business question? You start talking with the with the you know prospect, might automatically get judged and stopped, might present the best proposal, might save money, might be the best thing for on his risk management side, uh, work comp, whatever it could be. But he's not he might not go with me because there's that barrier of age. Have you run into that in any situation? How have you overcome it? I would say I um I did it to myself a lot. I would instill that, and that's part of the learning lessons of being a young agent is to get over your own, and call them insecurities because we're all insecure, right? We all don't like ourselves technically. We have to get over that every single day and go out and meet people and solve a problem. Um, I've been listening to a lot of David Carruthers stuff, 
And I think that's the number one thing. If you walk in with confidence that I know what your problem is and I know how to fix it, the conversation's easy. It's not about age. It's not about reputation. It's about my problem. And because of the way we're structured, we can solve so many more problems than just risk management. So you run into the PEO type um, issue sometimes where I'm not trying to solve that problem. That's a problem within itself. But from a business consulting, we have so many different divisions that it allows for much more deep-rooted conversation to find what the problem is. It doesn't have to be an insurance fix. We can get it on one line of business where we start picking up your payroll bookkeeping and then those other things fall into line. If we're doing your payroll, we might as well pick up your work comp. That's right. Right? We do a lot of farm returns, farm taxes, and that's led to a lot of agriculture, agribusiness for us. And it's just finding where people struggle and it's not always with insurance because insurance is a tough sell. I don't know. Absolutely. Because nobody wants to talk about it. It's a thing as someone that everybody obviously already are that they need, but there's that that constraint of them is what's it gonna take? How how easy is the transition of switching going to be? Yeah. Well, I think the, the number one conversation you have to have about insurance is not talking about insurance. hundred percent agree. I wouldn't sell a customer. Um, and this is just the way that I operate. I hope it's the way many people operate because um, whether it's a new business customer or a renewal customer, I'll go deliver that renewal. Like I spent a time last week, they're online, they, they sell poppy seeds. They're an online distributor for poppy seeds. Opioids. So, so don't say that. They're, they'll, they'll buy poppy seeds over from you know UK and then they'll break them down into smaller portions and sell them bakeries, whatever it might be, but it's 100% online stuff. Well, I went and met these people at their house. They're not doing any distributing and packaging stuff there. I went and met them at their house. We literally talked for an hour and a half about nothing but not, no insurance. Last five minutes of insurance and I was out of the house. Like people feel like they have to go, agents feel like they have to go out and talk insurance at the beginning, be Mr. Professional. Be, it goes back to when we're talking about when creating content, be authentic and be yourself. When you're going on a renewal or when you're going to meet with a new customer, or you're going to deliver a new policy, new business policy, be just, you have, you have to be just as authentic and personable then as you do from just picking up the phone and calling them the original, you know, or, or if, you, if you're prospecting with them at that point in time, you've got to be authentic and be yourself the whole entire time. And if someone doesn't like the way that you're being authentic, it's probably somebody you don't want to do business with. Um, you're probably one of the most authentic people I've seen as far as on a younger standpoint. And this is just industry, not just the industry, but also business wide. You're authentic. You're authentic with the way you do your podcast. You're authentic with the way you do insurance. You're authentic with the way you are as a dad. You're authentic with the way that you are as a husband. Like that is what you agents out there need to understand is you have to be yourself 100% of the time when doing business or you're going to hate what you're doing. I agree. You love what you're doing because you're going to be yourself 24 hours a day. Yeah, absolutely. And I, But that's learned because I hated it. Well, you get thrown into something. And you, you're trying to figure out why you like things or how to do things. Right. I remember sitting at, I was eating sushi with my wife. Um, at that time, she was just my girlfriend. And she had just got, she landed the best job a 26-year-old woman could ever land in a management for a hospital. And she was making buku bucks. I had no money. I had barely any commission. I had a house, but I had no furniture. And I was talking to her about why she should be passionate about what she does and doing all this stuff. She goes, do you like what you do? And I go, no. 
I, at that point in my life, I really didn't like what I did, but I didn't understand it. I was so stuck in the ugly part of insurance, the service, the how do these carriers work, you know, I mean, the nitty gritty, how does technology work, that I didn't allow myself to care about the one thing that matters, and that's people, relationships, conversations. Some people call me just to talk. talk. It's small town America. These are old retired people. They We're Main Street. So we're downtown. We've got this big new mural that we just put up this last year. But before, it's a little bit of everybody knows everybody. So people just stop in, talk, shoot the shit, and you can cuss. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna edit it out. But it's um, <laughs> it's it's different. I think once you find what you like about what you do, and you dive deeply into what you like about what you do, it's easy to fall more and more in love with the industry. Because that's where I'm at now. Are you ready to transform the way your business communicates? Look no further than Lightspeed Voice, the ultimate solution for insurance agencies seeking a seamless communication. I've used them for over eight years. I'm telling you, what I'm reading is the truth. Picture this, crystal clear calls, advanced features, unparalleled, flexible, tailored, just for you. That's Lightspeed Voice. Tired of drop calls and outdated systems? Lightspeed Voice has your back. Say goodbye to communication hiccups and hello to a new era of efficiency. I love that. Boost productivity with features like call recording, voice to email, and effortless call transfers. Work from the office, from home, or on the go. Lightspeed Voice keeps you connected wherever your business takes you. Don't worry about the transition. Our dedicated support and onboarding teams will guide you every step of the way. Make the switch to Lightspeed and join the ranks of satisfied insurance agency owners, like me, experiencing the power of seamless communication. Ready to elevate your agency? Visit lightspeedvoice.com or call 877.97-VOICE to schedule your free demo. Lightspeed Voice, we're more than just talk. Cast approved. And that's what the thing, like the passion thing. I talk about it all the time. I actually have sweatshirts and t-shirts that have just the word passion, passion across it. And I had those made just for myself um, a couple of years ago, just when I was trying to develop my personal self and my brand and try to just grow Mitch Gibson individually. And that's the big thing too, is like my coach, we go back to coaching. Like my college coach is the one that realistically is what led me down to kind of rewinding back to what Mitch Gibson's about. My college coach always said, you know, we live by four different things. Passion, enthusiasm, attitude, and effort. Those are the things that he talked about that required no talent on the field or off the field. You control those four things. Everything else will take care of itself. And, you know, I sat back in college and I was like laughing about that. I was like, he always talks about this passion, enthusiasm, attitude, effort stuff, you know. Well, it all made sense to me as I go into the real world of life. It's like, you know, we teach kids. Like I was teaching my baseball, the kids that I teach in the summer, I was teaching them that same passion, enthusiasm, attitude, and effort. But I wasn't living my life like that. Like the second you understand that and live your life with passion, enthusiasm, you know, a good attitude and, and, and effort, I've now replaced the effort part with positivity because there's so much negativity going on. It's like, how can I provide positivity every single day? Whether it's on this podcast, whatever it's on my podcast, whether it's on you know, me in the insurance office, colleagues, just networking, whatever it is, you've got to have that driven passion to become a better individual and also have the intention of how can I help that person? And, and in return, not expecting something back in return. And I think that's the big disconnection is people expect they got to do, 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 and they're expecting something to come back. No, that stuff will come back. 
to you and you'll get a nice return on investment on it because you've provided a great passion, a great deal of authority to helping somebody else. And it may not happen right at the second, but over time that person's going to remember that you left an impact on them because you're a passionate individual. So that's why I love the insurance game. I mean, it's fun. It's enjoyable. Um, and that's why I'm enjoyable and so passionate about doing podcasts because it helps. It helps me. It helps you. It helps other agents out in the world. Um, and even your local podcast. Let's get into that for a second. You're doing a local niche podcast in Madison County, um, the Performance Group podcast. You've done something a little different. I changed mine to an Inside Hancock County podcast. You've kept yours tied in with the Performance Group. And it's called the Performance Group Podcast. You can listen to it anywhere. But tell us a little bit about the Performance Group Podcast and what you're doing and how you're using it to, you know, that's kind of as a sales funneling tool to grow your brand and authority. Yeah, so the Performance Group Podcast all started, um, my first episode was recorded on February something of 2019. The first episode I did with my dad just to convince him that it made sense to do something so crazy. And now he loves it, truly. Um, I didn't actually release that same episode until we were truly the performance group. So when we purchased our agency, we purchased the name with it. So the financial was always performance financial group. The tax and accounting was performance uh, tax and accounting. And then we purchased an agency. It was the insurance center penalty. Um, there's always a disconnect between me and, you know, it's truly designed for from across the opportunity and speaking with those internal clients. It just never clicked. It never worked. It never was the thing that I wanted it to be, if that makes sense. And it, I, I, it always felt disingenuous speaking to clients as a performance insurance or performance insurance group, the insurance center Pendleton about insurance. Right. Group. It, right. just, it just got sort of disconnected. So, um, so yeah, I'm a young dad. So my wife and I, then at that point, she was my fiance. Um, we got engaged and then Four weeks later, we found out we were five weeks pregnant. And I started doing the math in my head. I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. So we had to figure it out. Fear is a hell of a motivator. At that point, I was sustaining the agency. I wasn't growing it. Um, so your, my, your mind's moving a million miles a minute. So I started thinking, what can we do? What can we do? What can we do? What can we do? I had long conversations with Adam Scalen, and he's a business partner with my dad about the idea of the performance group. The idea that what if we named everything under one brand because it was it was too disconnected. Um, so now it's performance group, tax accounting, insurance, and financial services. And it that big brand change all happened at the same time that I dropped the podcast on one one of twenty twenty. Then three months later, the world shut down. But it's, it's just funny the way that it works because every time you think you're getting a step up, she has this funny way of just kicking you back down a notch to reminding you to stay humble and keep working. But back to the podcast in general, you know, we, that's how it started, was just off of an idea. It took 11 months to actually put out the first episode. Now, what drift the, what, what, or what drift? That's not even a word. No, I was not an English language major at Ball State, if you can tell. What was the driving factor of starting the podcast? Was it watching and listening to other shows yes. and podcasts, or where did you kind of get that initial start? I, I love podcasts. I and I would say that about halfway through my first year of insurance, I had already listened to Barstool podcast. You know, what I mean? like right. the ones that we listened to as kids. And I go, I wonder if there's any more information because I got introduced to IAOA by um, Clint. From at that time, he was with Advisor Evolve, but now he's with, I think, Neon. 
Um, Clint's an awesome dude, and he's the one who sold me my advisory wall stuff with Chris Langeal. So I got into IAOA, and I then got somehow put on to the podcasts. So I started listening to Bradley and Scott, and I listened to the Insurance Guys podcast, and I, list, I just ate it up. And then I ran into Zach and um, Matt from GNN with their Bottle One podcast, and I ate that one up. I, I just, because the whole time you're preparing for these kids sure. that are about to be here, so you need to have all this extra information. I was painting rooms. You know what I mean? Like this dad's putting together a crib. And the whole time I was listening to insurance podcasts. And at some point I was like, what if we had our own and we spoke to our clients and we spoke to other people in our community and gave them a platform for the first time in their life because they've never had a chance to tell really good stories that they have to the community so the community can get to know them. That's the beautiful thing about your podcast is it's so communal. Yeah. The performance group podcast back in the mind, it's, it's about our clients and the opportunity for them to tell their story. And it, I've stolen so many good ideas from great people or I've stolen ideas from the insurance guys or I've stolen ideas from you to where I'm starting to broaden it to speak to, you know, call them prospects. But at 25 in a pandemic, it's hard to network. It is. So reaching out on LinkedIn saying, hey, I'd love to have you come on my show so you could tell your story and have an opportunity to, you know, take a clip and post it on yours. Yeah, people are going to take that hour. Absolutely. And that's the thing, too, is, and I'm just as guilty as you are, I guess, in this case. And I guess I'm throwing you under the bus because I'm throwing myself under the bus. But it's because we engage and see each other's social media stuff. But, you know, the time management piece of turning that episode into a podcast or a video is not too hard, but turning that into different clips and taking the time to watch the episode or write down while you're interviewing the guests what clips I can clip. The time management piece is tough for you because you've got your hands on a lot of the managing and management side of things on the agency, but also helping out with tax, the laundromat, all that kind of stuff. So for those agents that are out there, maybe wanting to start their own show, what are things that you're doing to help prepare yourself? Are you time blocking off certain times of the day where I'm going to edit? Are you blocking off certain time? Like yesterday was the first time that I put in my calendar. Every Friday at 9 a.m., I'm going to prepare content for the next two weeks. Like just create and create and create. Because I don't block off time in my schedule to do that. And then I catch myself in the middle of the day trying to do it. Phone rings, the next thing you know it. I didn't prepare my content that I need. What things are you doing on the time management piece to help you? Or are you kind of just flying by the seat of your pants as well? So I, I've learned that I can't fix something in my brain. I'm such a procrastinator. So instead, what I fixed was the timing of my episodes. So I release every Wednesday and I record Thursday. So I always put myself in such a, I perform under pressure. That's how I am. Too. So I tell people that's what I do. I'm sure if you ask my wife, that's not true. But what it does is it requires me to take the time to always be under the clock. If I'm on the clock to get things done, so if I record on Thursday and it has to come out Wednesday, because I already told them it's coming out Wednesday, we took our picture and I sent them their, you know, their cover art, right. then they expect that to come out on Wednesday morning. So Tuesday night, I don't, I don't have any other option. If that's how long I waited, I don't have any other option. I don't do it the best way. And I can honestly say that to anybody who's listening to this. Don't, don't do either. things the way I do it. But I understand myself and my personality enough that if I don't do it, it's not getting done. Yeah. But if I put myself under a pressure clock, I'm going to make sure it gets done because I'm now involved in another person. 
Well, see, there's, there's things out there, obviously, and other services like the WeGotYourPodcast.com that yeah. give you the opportunity to take away where you just record it. I can want to do it this. I'm going to send it to the agency college team, and they're going to get it all done on the front end of work. It's nice to have, but young agents like you and I, who may not have that extra, you know, three, four, five, six hundred bucks a month yeah. to put towards a service like that, because we're young. I mean, everybody, if you listen, if if you ask anybody listening to the show, Sean, and I think you understand this, if they go back when they were 25, 26, 27 years old, they probably didn't have much of a pot to piss in on the standpoint of extra, extra, extracurriculars that had nothing to do with it's going to make you money right away. And, you know, we always talk about, you and I, is like, what can we do now that's going to start making income elsewhere? It's just going to help build that net worth. Starting your niche podcast, if you think you're going to start making, you're going to make millions of dollars and hundreds of bucks off of a niche podcast in your local community, you're wrong. So don't take that aspect of it. It's just trying to find creative ways to eliminate taking so much time creating and editing and doing all that stuff. What are some tools that you use that on, on the editing side that might help some people out there? Yeah, so I think that the biggest thing that I've learned is um, it's not always going to be perfect. It just means more that it's getting out there. Um, and I held on to some episodes that I was flat out ashamed of because the audio was bad. And I never told the person. I should have just talked to the person because they were fine with it. We re-recorded and that's an embarrassing moment for me because it was like my second or third episode that I recorded that wasn't family. You told, but you told me about that. What did I tell you? What? Remember the first time we met, you told me about that same thing. You go, I just recorded. I've got two or three that I just haven't put out because the audio sounded bad. Remember what I said to you? Just post it. Just post it. And I would say to anybody that's looking to get into this, it's not supposed to be perfect. No. You're not this big organization. You're, you're, you're just a guy with a couple microphones that the idea behind it is I want to get in front of people and just talk. And I would say that the best conversation I have with that person, that person I'm interviewing is the hour after the camera's off. Cause I don't leave. Right. I've had people when I turn off the camera, I turn off the mics, they go, Oh, you know that part about my employees. And I said, this is what I really meant. And I was like, okay. And then you talk about that's a problem. Yeah. How do you solve that problem? And it's just been very interesting. But as for tools, I do, a, it's called OBS, it's called Online Broadcasting System. I actually record my entire thing as a video. I use microphones similar to the ones that we're using today, like the table mics. Um, they're USB based, plug them in, and you can actually hook them up to this OSB, OBS. OBS. OSB is a type of word. Yes. <laughs> this o OBS system, which is a free piece you can download directly on your computer, um, set up a, you know, a plug-in, webcam, I've got a couple lights similar to this, and you know, truly it's not that much, and then I just go to Adobe Cloud Converter and I convert it to an MP3, I use Audacity, I have a front-end clip and a back-end clip that I use, I get all my uh, my jingles from uh, Audio Jungle, they cost a couple bucks, depending on which one you want, and then you, you have the licensing to them, they give you everything, and you can use it. But you can start a podcast on 100 bucks. You, everything I've used so far is free. Other than the microphones, I had two forty dollars mics when I first started, but you can get one, you know, blue mic with a surround sound. Look at this. We're gonna, my mics aren't even matching. Like, there's some people out there that would be, wouldn't even start a podcast. I've got a buddy, my barber. My barber is starting a podcast with a couple other people. It's going to kind of be more mass media related and you know current events and stuff like that. But he goes, "Well, we're not ready to put the stuff out yet." I go, "Why?" He goes, "Because well, we don't, we don't really have matching mics." I said, "Why?" People like, don't care. Don't I don't. 
for for me and for you, it shouldn't matter. I mean, people think they have to have the prettiest, shiny, most. I bought this blue mic because I was stuck at home because our office was closed and the Remax office where my studio is at was closed because of COVID and I had couldn't go get my equipment. So I went and bought this this blue mic and I'm like, hey, might as well use it. But I bought it on a way of like, so I could still do quality stuff out of my house while being stuck at home. Like that was just a return on investment that I had to get. But don't go spend thousands of dollars on just podcasting equipment. There's no reason for it. I'll send you a picture of my studio. It's really nothing more than three lights, a tripod, and these two mics. And it's gotten better with each episode. It because has. You, you figure out what but you fits. learn. You gotta watch the episodes to learn. Jason Cass told me, and loyal listeners, this is strictly, you know, I might've been very bad this episode. And the reason I'm saying that is, you know, you gotta do really good of identifying who your target is on it. Like, who, who am I speaking to? I'm speaking to you, the loyal listeners. This is who I'm speaking to. And I want you guys to understand how easy it is to do this stuff. And Sean and I are both here to answer any questions to, to help you out and point you down that direction of getting started because it's real easy. If you're watching this, this is off my iPhone. I mean, we're recording two iPhones right now, clip on mic and two mics. That's all it takes. Realistically, it's all it takes. Editing software and that's done. Easy under 100 bucks. I got a video coming out. It's going to be how to start a podcast under 100 bucks from start to finish just to kind of help everybody out. If you had one piece of advice for people starting their own podcast, what would it be other than just do it? Other than just do it, because truly that's it. The, the relationship and the connections are the most important part of the podcast, even more so than the product. And I know that sounds backwards, but the conversations that you truly have with people, the conversation we're having right now, the, the intimate moment in person to have with these people is worth so much more than the amount of listens you get. Because... I would honestly say that I've never been asked that question by a guest. I've never been asked how many people listen to the podcast. I care about those numbers. Nobody else cares about those numbers. They're just happy to be here. Right. It's all about the conversation you're having with that person. And ask good questions and have fun and smile, laugh, enjoy. It doesn't have to be, you know, you're not Larry King. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have to try to get hard-hitting questions. You just have fun, have a conversation, record it, and put it out. And don't look at it. Because if you look at it, you'll drive yourself crazy enough not to post the next one. I'd say post it and then look at it. Because you are you need to learn from it. You need to learn from those mistakes. But yeah, I, I appreciate Jason for, for telling me just to understand. Go back and listen and make sure that you're talking primarily to that listener. And who you guys do a great job with that. I, I do not. Do I've that. been really bad this episode because I've really been engaged with talking to you. Yeah. And it's different because I've never shot an episode of the AI podcast in person with somebody. Um, makes it a little easier when you're doing it over video or Zoom, Zoom call and record that. Um, but so if you're, if we got off track, I'm sorry guys, but this is, a, this is kind of a cool little fun episode to engage with Sean here. Um, Sean, I know we're getting kind of late on time and we both have stuff we got to get going, especially with it being taxis and I know you're busy. Um, I'm going to go into five little rapid fire questions that I like to ask at the end of all my shows, whether it's the Inside Hancock County podcast, this one, I like to throw my little twist on it. Um, which also, if you're listening to this, when I ask these five questions, there's a reason why I'm asking these five questions and I'll explain to you at the, at the end here why I ask these five questions. So. Which favorite flavor of ice cream? Um, my favorite flavor is mint chocolate chip. From a specific place? I know I'm not a big ice cream guy. If I'm being 100% honest, I love popsicles, like to a fault. Please tell me you're one of those the yeah. rectangle ice pops that mm -hmm. come in not frizz. So we started doing um, like these frozen fruit ones because they're healthier because they're natural sugars. And I'll eat six in one sitting. It's embarrassing. My, my wife will get, well, they cost like eight bucks. They're good though. <laughs> 
It's but no, I'm a popsicle guy. But if I had to pick an ice cream, I would pick uh, mint chocolate chip. Right on. My favorite color. Shoot. Um, He's so cute. Um, <laughs> my favorite color. Well, do I pick the performance group colors? I would say black and gold. So I went to University of Iowa and it's black and gold. I coached at Lapel High School and it's black and gold. Um, the performance group is black and gold. So it's an easy answer to say black and gold. I agree. I like it. I like it. So going into Madison County. So if you don't know where Madison County is, if you pick Indiana, put Indiana on a map, you go Indianapolis right in the middle, go east of Indianapolis, that's where you find me. You go north of me, that's where you find Pendleton. That's the best way to explain it. Pendleton's just about, it's probably a little bit bigger than Green, a little bit smaller than Greenfield. Yeah. Smaller than Greenfield, where I'm from. So in Pendleton, or in Madison County, what's your favorite local place to go eat? Oh, that's a great question. Um, so there's so many great ones. Um, I love Smokies. Have you heard of Smokies? Smokies. Smokies out there by the golf course. It's over by Lapel. So you're thinking of Sam Smokehouse, which is over by the golf course, which is also very cool. Creek, Um, So I love Hassan Vieja. So here's the thing is there's like seven places to eat in our small town. So you, we have pretty much a rotation. We eat um, Vieja pretty much every single Monday. Um, we'll go to the bank, Sophie's Bagels, which is a new business, which is great. Um, it's They're starting to get more Instagram-y type foods where we're at, if that makes sense. The stable is great. I'm just saying everything. I'm hungry. I'm, I'm, I'm starting. That's my day. problem. I'm starting a banana and a uh, nice little apple Danish that I got from the local hitherto coffee shop here. Um, I like those answers, and I'm I want to get back to that reason why I ask those questions and just to you want to start your own little podcast and how that's beneficial. Last question might be a little bit more tough, and I don't know if you're prepared for this one, but you're gonna have no choice but to answer. It. <laughs> okay. Get one piece of advice, young agent, middle age agent, older agent. Somebody who is either just now getting started or someone who's feels like they're in the middle of a crisis and not too sure where to go. But coming from a 25-year-old, some people might not take advice from it. Yeah, that's fair. But if you had one piece of advice for somebody in the insurance business that are struggling or just now getting started, what would you say would be a good one? Um, I would say that patience is important. You know, being young and all you see are the people around you. And the industry is so interesting because when you listen to all these insurance podcasts, you always listen to people that are so smart and have done so many amazing things. And then you start to look at yourself and you go, oh, I could never, or I'm not even close, or how do I, you know what I mean? Like you, you get so comparative and comparison is the thief of joy. So what I've found is I've taken the time every day to write out what I'm grateful for in my gratitude. And I posted this um, on my LinkedIn, and in the search for patience, I found gratitude. I'm um, I'm grateful for where I am, where I've been, and where I'm going. And I think that's something that has really helped me find where I'm supposed to be. Wow. I'm not going to lie. I was not expecting that. I was not expecting That's a good one. Sean Kirby with the baller answer of that one. No, I like that answer. Thank you. You know why I was asking why I asked those five questions at the end of my show. I'm doing this kind of for a learning moment for these loyal listeners and for people that are wanting and the people that are demanding, like, hey, start a local podcast. You know why I ask those questions? Especially the first of those last two. The reason why I ask those questions, if you're starting a local podcast and you ask your guest favorite local place to shop, favorite local restaurant, and you just rattled off four. You know what I just did? I just created a piece of content, a clip, by asking that question that you're gonna be able to turn around and tag. Those four 
restaurants or local businesses that you shouted out by just me asking a question. And in return, that business is probably going to share that post. That business is probably going to engage or dive into who in the hell is the performance group and who is Sean Kirby or who is Mitch Gibson and what's the Inside Hancock County podcast. Well, guess what? You're an insurance agent. You write commercial insurance. You write personal insurance. You now have a one foot step in the door of going and keep engaging with their social media and potentially asking them for a chance to have them on your show. And then after that, asking them to take a look at their insurance. It's a whole circle, people. It's a whole circle and the reason why you have to ask some of those really qualifying questions. And that piece of content, why I asked that, is this for agency intelligence, but I'm going to cut that and make it so Sean can use it and post it on social. I mean, there's just, there's ways of doing it. And that didn't just come from me. I mean, that was me just learning and watching and, and from other people in the industry. And that's why I think the end of this this, this, this episode, the end of my guest hosting can be uh, the end all be all goal and if I can leave you guys all with anything, if I'm never on the agency intelligence podcast again, which I'm hopefully have some news coming for you guys. But if I was, the last thing I would leave everybody with is don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to reach out to other professionals in the industry who are killing it and doing it the right way. I believe everybody out in the industry, there's no right way. There's no silver bullet. But everybody's doing so many great things. Why not learn from those people who are doing the great things? And that's what I take away from podcasts like this. That's why I love speaking and talking to Jason Kess, Bradley Flowers, Ryan Hanley, David Carruthers, Keith Sheeran, all those people, because they are on the forefront of our industry and are learning and engaging and teaching us agents how to become better agents and become better human beings. So that's why I love, love the industry because everybody's always trying to help each other. That's why I love you, and, and I'm glad we became friends and met and are doing this right now because it's, it's, it's super fun to engage with not just insurance agents, but also agents that are just five miles up the road. And there's probably five people up five miles up the road you don't even know exist that you should probably be, become friends with, engage with, and, and, and see what they're doing. So, John, appreciate it. Any quick shout-outs, anything that you want to uh, let the, the lovely world of the agency intelligence or the uh, our loyal listeners to know about you or uh, – Ways that they can find you and reach out. Yeah, guys, um, I'm available on LinkedIn. Feel free to reach out if you guys have any questions. I've been so um, so lucky to have conversations with you know Matt from Babylon, Grant Botman, all sorts of people that are doing similar things in the like the agency world that have helped me. And um, I think that I'm still on this really long journey and I'm still figuring things out. So expect expect me to reach out. Um, I, hopefully, we can all learn together. Absolutely, that's what we're talking about. Well, that's Sean Kirby from the Performance Group podcast. And also the performance group tax, financial, and insurance services. I hit it right on the head. Pretty close. That's close. We'll just leave it at that. Maybe that's not, make it sound like I did really good. And I'm Mitch Gibson from HRM, insurance services team, and the Inside Hancock County podcast. And I thank Jason Cass and the agency intelligence team for allowing me to guest host the show. It's been a blast. Please don't ever hesitate to reach out and engage with anything I've got going on. I'm here to help. I'm here to consult. And I'm here to become a better agent, just like every single one of you are doing out in the world. So for that, Sean Kirby, I'm Mitch Gibson. You guys have a great day and always remember that you can make a difference. Take care, everybody. Hey, agents, listen to this. Listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it. Think of it. Really? We're, we're terrible at training, right? We're not very good at hiring. We're not very good. Terrible at firing, actually. Uh, terrible at creating process and some workflows. Terrible at technology and implementing that technology and even knowing what type of technology we want. And the list goes on and on. Now, listen, I'm an agency owner and I, you know how it is to, to fix a problem. The first thing you've got to do is you got to admit you have a problem. Here's what you do. 
go to virtualintel.com. Check out what we do because we do all those bad things that you can't do. Really? And you may do one or two of them well. Good for you if you can do them all. Just want you to know you're in the minority. But if you can't do any of them good or you don't even want to do them anymore because it just takes too much mental power, then good for you for realizing that and give us a call. I'm telling you, virtual intelligence, that's what we do. And where we specialize in high quality VEs, not virtual assistants. Look it up. Go to ChatGPT. Put in what's the difference between a virtual assistant and a virtual employee. Enough said. I don't have enough time to go on and on about all the differences on this 60 second commercial, but you've got time to search it and look at it. That's what we do. We deliver high quality VEs. We mix the technology with it. We train them on the technology, give them and the technology to you and you're off to the races. I'm not joking with you. You can call my agency at any time, ask for Lordland. And we do ask her, say, how fast are you able to do quotes? I've actually got a couple videos of it. That's right. We can do five to 10 carriers in one quote in three to seven minutes. So you give me an auto quote, I can do five to 10 carriers in three to seven minutes. How are we doing it? We're doing it through the technology of virtual intelligence. Give us a call, check us out. You can ask for me personally, I'll do the demo for you. Who are they? Cast certified.